Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower. I want to highlight a few of the recent uh, pieces of content over at UTHDynasty.com, in addition to all the rankings, metrics you need to have your best season yet. And Trade Calculator uh, finished up about 15 to 20 players looking at their early 2021 NFL Draft spotlight profiles there, so a number of the, the key names to know, whether some of those players have full seasons, partial seasons, no seasons, uh, with the college uh, landscape coming up. Um, again, this is just sort of a moment in time. Here is the lay of the landscape. Also, one thing I did want to highlight was um, I, I did a piece looking at the, the first round of startup drafts and uh, with the ADP predictor at UTH, looking at what they would need this coming season based on their overall profile of, of, of predictive um, predictive factors and measures of what they would need points per game wise to kind of stay there. Uh, you know, cause again, you're looking for some insulation uh, and some players uh, teaser uh, from that article. Some players are riskier than others based on, you know, just being able to stay up in that strata um, even just 12 months from now with your first round pick. So it's not really startup draft season, but Katie, you know what it is? Redraft season. Um, yeah, that sounds like a it's Groundhog Day, like from the movie. Um, yeah, and this is the one week a year, and I, I actually like that redraft is special, you know. And this is, I think, we normally do it one week later, but with no preseason games, um, we are gonna obviously probably have something that we say affected in some form or fashion by injury or just something changing. But you know what? That happens no matter when you record a show. So we are here. We are talking. One, hey, let's call it by what it is, Katie. Let's call it short-term dynasty leagues. <laughs> and it's so short, it's one year. So we're going to be talking about strategy. Um, and what I wanted to say, Katie, is and you're, you're mock drafting as we speak here tonight. Uh, you've already done a little bit of that. But talk about some of the major differences. If someone says, Katie, you got a few bullet points. We know your dynasty uh, profile. We know how you think in that regard. Uh, we've heard you a lot discuss that. But now it's been about 12 months or so since they I've heard you talk redraft. So how would Katie redraft talk to Katie dynasty and say, Hey, here's my notable differences. Okay. So first of all, one thing that I recommend doing, if you are in a home league or whatever kind of redraft league that you've got coming up, instead of just mock drafting in that platform, find another league with real players. Like if you're on ESPN, you get 25 free leagues draft with a 12-team PPR with the same settings with real people instead of a mock because a lot of times the mock is auto-picking because there's a lot of robots in there or people leave because it gets boring or whatever. At least if you're doing it against other people, you have a much better sense for what you're going to get at different draft positions. And then secondly, I always, always, always go into my draft with my iPad and Roto World and Twitter and the news and I make sure 
I'm up to date on any injuries that may happen that same day of your draft, that same minute. I've been in a draft and had breaking news where a player was injured and just cut him. Like, there's no way I'm going to make that pick. And sometimes I'll even share it. Like, in my all-girls league, I will share it with the others. I'll say, hey, so-and-so got hurt today. Don't draft him, just to be nice. Well, just to add one thing onto that, I remember last year, I believe it was the Antonio Brown uh, news, broke while we were in the SiriusXM studio, and we we had a draft and or auction, I can't remember which it was, going on. And that was a literally public service announcement, and he had not been... Uh, he had not been selected or bid on yet, and and it was a an actual you know now talking point of who's going to take him, how is this going to adjust live fire breaking news part of that show that was covering it. So yeah, like you said, even a quick search of of Twitter, you know, of you know, before you make a pick or you know sort of players you're interested in if you want to stay ahead of the game that you might be looking at over the next 15, 20, 30 minutes, you know, just however you can. But but yeah, I mean, especially this time of year where uh, an injury uh, could occur, uh, anything off the field, just something that could change your mind one way or another. Um, and, and redraft, there's a lot higher stakes than if you're doing a, a startup draft right now because it's a multi-year thing. Right. So some of the things that I focus on as a redraft player, and I've been told, you know, don't do this, don't do this, but it's been successful for me. So I do it. My tiebreaker is if you've got two running backs or two wide receivers in the same bye week, and you got somebody else that's really close, I take the somebody else that's not in the same bye week. I do try to pay attention to bye weeks, and that's the tiebreaker. Now, if there's a big cliff, then no, I will take the two guys and just figure, get enough depth at the position. And, you know, it, it worry about week 10 really when painful. week 10 gets there. Exactly. And worry about week 10 when week 10 gets there. The other thing that I don't do that a lot of people do is handcuff. I don't, I, I try to get other people's handcuffs. Like I like good players. And if I think a guy is going to be a breakout by mid season and there's somebody else's handcuff, well then shoot, I will just go ahead and take that player. Well, re- well, Damien, well Damien, handcuffing your own guy also decreases your upside because you insulate yourself, you know, Oh, I got my first round pick is so-and-so and then let me t- draft their handcuff in round 10 or something. Well, if you like what you said, just to, just to uh, finish your point that drafting somebody else's handcuff means you could have two starters. It increases your variance right. on the downside. But again, that's not. And the other thing is, are you really going to hold that handcuff? Uh, you know, if they're a true handcuff to you, I think that's going to hand, handcuff yourself with that roster spot right. the whole freaking season. And how many handcuffs on the waiver wire will you miss out on? Right. And there is one exception to that rule. If I think that the handcuff is going to get enough playing time to justify them as a flex, Kareem Hunt. even if the other starter is starting, even if they're not injured, like, for example... There's a pair of, of guys, and, and they are handcuffable because they're in different rounds. But Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins are a good set where I would not mind owning both of them. I think they're both going to be relevant without an injury. And then if there's an injury to one or the other, then you've got a solid gold stud. That I'm okay with. But if you're just going to get – and especially like who's Todd Gurley's handcuff? We don't know. It's right. way too early. Like, there's three guys that it could be, and we don't know. And, we'll, and would it matter if he's out? Games. You know, that's what, what limits exactly. the appeal, too. 
Right, exactly. So there are certain situations where if I think the guy is fantasy relevant for at least a flex spot or a bi-week fill-in, I'll be fine taking them as a quote-unquote handcuff, and I don't mind owning both of them from the same team. Okay. Uh, But pretty much just the rest of my strategy is uh, I go with best player available, and I try to do enough mock drafts from each different position. Like going into next weekend, I know that I'm drafting in the three spot in a 12-team one quarter start one quarterback so I'm trying to mock as often as I can in that three spot but I'm also paying attention to all the other you know uh, owners and what are they doing and trying to just get the best values for each of those spots and I and whether you're one thing that I found from the mock drafts that I've done so far plus the real leagues but yet I'm not intending to do anything with them they're just free ESPN leagues I I do mock with real people just to get that more real feeling and real uh in as opposed to with a mock draft it could be all robots and auto picks and that's no fun that's not realistic but drafting against other people then you at least get a feeling for perception of other people and what they will want if your draft uh for your league coming up if it's home league office league whatever if it's on a known platform if you know it's on espn or yahoo or etc would you advise folks to only mock draft on that platform because that would be the adp or is there value in going around and doing a mock drafts on a bunch of different platforms to simulate different scenarios I think it would get too confusing. Most people aren't going to, I think it would get too confusing for the average Joe redraft person that doesn't want to spend a lot of time. I think stay with the platform, get a better feel for guys that you're going to have to bump up. Because a dynasty owner, honestly, when they draft in their redraft league with their friends or whatever, I would guess that they're probably going to be the most knowledgeable person in the room. Or close to it, oh, yeah. so or the top right. tier, whatever you want to put on it, that it really is about like you don't have to get super cute, you don't have to overthink it because you're already going to be a, a really knowledgeable person in the room, uh, especially in the later rounds and just you've navigated drafts and you do it more than once a year. So there's, you're going to have so many inherent advantages that it feels like, I, I mean, the ones I've done, especially home league types, you really just have to press your finger on, you know, on, on the neck and, and just keep pushing, keep pushing because there's going to be some scenarios in a positive way for you where it's like, oh, well, so like they're going off the rails, they're reaching on players, you know, they're doing stuff that I just, I, I've never seen, whether it's a mock draft, etc. So, but that's a good thing. You know, you're, you're not, they can't really screw you like oh quarterbacks are going so early it's a start one what's going on here well just exploit that i mean that means you can just wait longer and get an even better quarterback you know there's a number of things that happen you just can't plan for but in my experience that's only been in a good way yeah the the other thing is that i found discovered some years it's better to be towards the front of the draft towards the end of the first round and sometimes it's good to be in the middle, but this year especially, being anywhere five, six, seven stinks. Yeah, because the turn because the turn is pretty year. nice with some of the running backs there, and the, the early part is nice. nice too. So, 
Right. The early part is nice because you can get Christian McCaffrey and then when it comes back around to you, there's all kinds of really good still players and uh, running backs do tend to go earlier. So you could you could get a you could still get a really stud wide receiver and then a very more than solid RB2. And then, yeah, you got to wait for a little bit, but still, you've got a good core there. If you're down at 11, 12, or 10, 11, 12, anywhere in there, you're drafting close enough on a corner where there's, it's just, it, everything hits. But if you're in the middle, that what I have found is you're always pressing. This year, specifically, you're either settling or picking early. You're settling for somebody that nobody else wanted, and you feel like you have to take them, or you or you have to reach for a guy that's maybe 15 spots, 12, 15 spots or whatever down the line to make sure that you obtain them. Yeah, I, f- I find that mid first. I mean, I really, to me, the line when I was doing the Scott Fishbowl, I really wanted to look at McCaffrey, Barkley or Elliott, ideally. Um, you know, I, I think ended up Kamara. I can't remember what ended up happening, but worst case or in the mid first you're kind of looking sometimes at wide receiver one which i think doesn't have as much juice for me personally because as you mentioned sometimes late round two round three round four there's really high level wide receivers like i am super comfortable with the position this year and yet if you go running back in the mid first now late august what we're talking about is dalvin cook in that range clyde edwards alaire is now going in that mid first type of range are you going to go for mixon or henry like so you're kind of pressing at running back or you basically have to sharpshoot and say you know who at wide receiver if i have the landscape of everybody or everyone but michael thomas or whatever um and to me those are non-optimal choices um overall as opposed to like you said if you're inside whatever line you want if kamara's inside the line does it stop at zeke but then you have to be in the top three four five guaranteed to get a look at one of them in a, in a, in a one quarterback I got Michael Thomas at 111 just now. I got Joe Mixon on the turn at 20-whatever, 202. And then I got Odell Beckham at 311 and Todd Gurley Well, that's what we're talking about. I mean, the fact that you got Beckham right. late exactly. in the third round. And I've, I've, yep. I've seen some people say Gurley is on their do not draft list. But round four, I mean, guys like Gurley, Fournette, Bell, like... I don't know about you, yeah, Katie. Like I want, right there. like if you can get guys like that as your running back two, or sometimes your running back three, depending on the draft. I like to me that that spells like it gives you wiggle room because again, anyone could end up missing time and getting injured. But these are known roles. Like I want in the first four or five rounds. I mean, I might mix in one guy where it's like this is my guy. I think there's huge upside here, but just hitting some doubles and triples. You know, based on what you're paying with with these roles, especially of, of workhorse, those guys aren't getting challenged, and that to me, even with uh, as as you mentioned with Odell Beckham, I mean, these are known high volume players that either have some sort of stink about them, and when you're not worried about what does 2021 hold, um, that's really when you can take shots like that. Yeah, the the other strategy that I do when I'm either doing a mock draft or a realistic life like drafting a league but don't intend to stay with it because it's ESPN and it's free either way if I've got certain guys especially if they're rookies let's say Jalen Rager for example I really like Jalen Rager I think he's going to be impactful in year one at least uh, to some degree to a certain extent yeah to a certain extent whether it's later in the season or whatever but I won't draft him 
in a mock draft. I won't draft him in the simulated realistic because I want to see how late he actually will fall right. with other people that aren't dynasty people that don't necessarily know who this guy is. Gauge the room. Yeah. That, and exactly. See, so if I, I ever can, did mock drafts that were like for ADP or for whatever, whatever, I wouldn't like, I have a hard time in those settings because I wouldn't want to um, displace or uh, what's it called? I want to, wouldn't want to influence what's going on because like you said, seeing how far someone falls is more of a tell than Someone, one person, like the NFL draft, one person, one one team drafting a player, um, that doesn't really say anything about the the league in aggregate. It's more about, hey, I'm going to let him go. I really like him, like you said, with Reger or, or any of these others. Let's see. You know, is is it two rounds later than I would take him? Let let's let's gauge that. Um, I wanted to ask you at quarterback, um, in a start one, what's your what's your general? Uh, mentality there and is 2020 you know you know what it is these you are know leading questions I'm i know interviewer Katie. I know. come on <laughs> i don't know. I know but i'm just I actually, i'm laughing i don't know what your answer is i have a yes, guess what do. maybe the smart answer would be <laughs> but you know maybe you have a, a strong take on someone else i've been able to get matt stafford in round 12 round 13 um and even if matt stafford is gone he's not the Only one, end yeah. of the line i would take ryan fitzpatrick you don't even yeah. have him on your ADP. He doesn't but have one I would so take, late. Right. I would take any. Who's available uh, I wouldn't, late? Yeah, Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback in the 12th or 13th round. I will take him. Sometimes I'll even pick my defense and kicker before my quarterback. The, the last four spots yeah. every year are going to be some combination <laughs> of quarterback, tight end, Defense and kick. Wow! So you are so you are. What can get you off of that uh, tight end wise, from going late late tight end? Only, only egregious if, falling. Yeah, okay. it would have to be an egregious falling. But there's guys, Eric Ebron and Tyler Eifert have been available in every single one of my yep. drafts in the last round. Yep. Every single one of them. Now. And I would take either one of those and be fine. This is with another that. leading and, question. So if you if you sure. take a late round tight end. How how do you pair that with your allegiance level or your uh, openness to early season waiver wire? Are, is this something where you don't care too much about the position? You say, I'm going to take my best bet. A slow start, you might or probably stick with them. Or is this something, if you just see a, a different role opening up, because it's typically not a position people get, you know, there's not going to be 24 30 tight ends drafted in almost any redraft league. Is that something where you say, hey, Eric Ebron comes out. He doesn't have a much of a role for a, a week or two. Is that something you're going to quickly move off of because you say, hey, I drafted him in around 13. Who cares? What I would probably end up doing is take my allegiance off one of my later round wide receivers and pick up some other tight end and then stash Eric Ebron. I'm just not going to see how it goes for another usually, few weeks. Yeah, just – Exactly. Just to give him a little bit more time. Um, okay. You mentioned Ebron as one of your favorites. Is there another name or two for folks that Tyler Eifert? Eifert. Okay. Tyler Eifert and and Eric Ebron are both late, late, late. Right. Very easy to get. Um, I'd be fine with even OJ Howard, uh, Greg Olson. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah. You know. Uh, and and I think Ebron is a really good one. I think he's an underrated floor guy, and now you're getting Ben Roethlisberger. Um, even though there's a lot of targets there, I mean, he, again, he is one that, that could be one of the touchdown guys um, in that offense. I think Greg Olson, just if you are drafting with, hey, week one, week two, let's see how it goes, and you can quickly move off of that, uh, Greg Olson, you're going to see what you have. He's got Russell Wilson. Um, the wide receiver core has a couple at the top, but not super deep at the position. And is Will Disley healthy? And is he going to have a role? And I think you can get all that answered within a game or two and just have a sense you know, of how much he's lost or hasn't lost. And, and he's like a last-round pick. I mean, so this is – it really is deep. You mentioned a couple others. I mean, you could probably put Jack Doyle into that or – O.J. Howard is another one, but like you said, these are guys available beyond the top 15 or so, and you really don't have to go any deeper than that to find, like you said, a last three or four round sleeper. I do like Doyle, but he's banged up. I'm not gonna if I'm gonna take a one tight end, I'm not gonna okay. take somebody that's already banged okay. up. So as much as I like him, I'd leave him on the waiver wire. I like Jonu Smith. He's another guy that's late. Okay. Uh, you know, there's so many guys, and then even if you do have to drop them and pick somebody else up, there's so many other guys that you can pick up. I stream matchups. Just same thing with quarterback. I have no allegiance to my quarterback. If they aren't succeeding or if they have some bad matchups in a row then I'm going to pick up whoever XYZ Joe off the waiver wire and be fine with that. Yeah, Fitzpatrick is a really good one, like you said, because he's going, I mean, high, high likely. I don't know if they've said it yet, but the likelihood that he starts the season and starts a decent number of games and then Miami kind of see how things are going, he might be the plan for most, if not all, the year. So he's one that, again, I mean, he, you know, the the prototypical DGAF, like he doesn't, he doesn't care. And he's gonna he's gonna throw it up. He's gonna be a fantasy maven, even if they're losing games, even if they're down, even if he's throwing some picks. You typically aren't in in formats where those types of things are penalized. Um, and other deep quarterbacks, just to name a few others, um, Philip Rivers is going pretty late. We'll see about Cam Newton. I'm sure, Katie, yep. you've observed he's all over the place. I would imagine sometimes he, he goes top he ten, is. top twelve. Other times you might get him at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. But golf is going pretty late. Roethlisberger. Um, you just, the point is, you mentioned Tannehill, Cousins. The point is you get a lot of cracks, and you can just play chicken. I mean, anyone that takes two quarterbacks in the first 10, 11 rounds of your draft, to me that really minimizes the upside potential of that first guy they drafted in the first four or five rounds. And I don't even get, you know, oh, I'm going to stack it. You know, round eight, round nine, I'm going to draft two quarterbacks. You're wasting a spot because the waiver wire, as you said, it's going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick on it unless Katie takes him in the last round or something. So that's the only – I mean, you are going to have looks at quarterbacks and the guys outside the top 20 in redraft – they can spike up and be quality streamers, and and you like you just said, play the matchups in general. And this is uh, really different than than some of the dynasty things where you're looking at long term job security and a lot of those other factors that make these less optimal, um, especially including you know what's going to be available on the waiver wire. And here I am in round ten. I'm on the clock. And I've got Joe Mixon, Todd Gurley, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Keenan Allen, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Julian Edelman, Preston Williams. And I've still got right now, I'm on the clock, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady, Carson (laughs) Wentz, Josh Allen, Drew Brees, Matt Stafford. They're all available. And And almost every team has their quarterback. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm just going to go ahead and draft Tom Brady. This is an actual mock-mock, so... Um, an actual mock mock. We we have new terms, yeah, it's Katie. Not against we have luck. a mock mock. We have yeah. a real mock. Uh, we have a <laughs> we have a simulated, we have a simulated mock. mock. We have a number <laughs> of terms, and there's some similarities there. Um, yeah. I, I found that 
usually I don't feel this way, but this is the year where I feel like if you don't take a wide receiver in the first two rounds, that you can still build a monster of a group. And usually yes, I don't feel around four, five, six. Like if I, I get squeezed or if I find value elsewhere, that usually I'd be like, oh, I don't feel great about you know getting my wide receiver one from that zone. But this year, you mentioned Beckham. You know, a lot of times can be had in that round four type of range. Robert Woods, I really like the the floor combination of, and ceiling there in PPR. Keenan Allen, you mentioned. Keenan but there's Allen number one. Late. There's number ones for teams readily available. Julian Edelman, I got him in like round right. nine. Yeah, and, and I have to obligatory mention the the Houston stack of, of Cooks and Fuller are both affordable. Yeah. You can get them easily as your wide receiver three or four. So... These are all combos that I don't generally feel this good about the deeper options, quote-unquote deeper options, really the mid-rounds of wide receiver. Um, is there anyone that we kind of left out as, as targets that you can see? Man, if you do wait, if you don't find what you like early, these are the types of reasons, maybe around 5 to 10 of you saying, man, this is, this is why if you don't have your wide receiver three by then, this is not a bad thing. Yeah, no, I mean, Julian Edelman, I got him uh, just recently. I got Preston Williams. They're still, um, I'm almost on the clock in round 11, which is pick 11, so it's towards the end of the round. Jalen Rager is available, Deshaun Jackson, Paris Campbell. Uh, as far as running backs, Damon Harris, Harris, Adrian Peterson are on the board. Uh, where are you Where are you at in terms of, you know, you get to round 10 plus. Are you one that you side with, running back exclusively yes you have to mix in quarterback and tight end but those precious few final spots that are frankly i mean priority free agents priority waiver wire are you one that you typically side with a running back that may need an injury maybe it's a running back that has an unclear depth chart or do you take a shot at a wide receiver where you say let's see if i find lightning in the bottle in the early weeks to to keep them on my roster Um, does that differ at all from maybe your later rounds in dynasty drafts versus redraft here because it's 12 team and you've got such short benches you typically like there's still people that are starters or potential like i just got damian harris and that's uh, nuts AJ Dillon. that is nuts and yeah damian exactly. harris might I mean, be the week one starter and you're getting what exactly. round did you say 11 uh yeah it was pick 11 wow. 11 and then at 1202 i got aj Dillon. right and I think by midseason, he's going to own that job. I've got one spot well, left, when you and take then AJ I still Dillon, have tight just, end, just, defense, and kick. Well, sorry, just to highlight, so you took A.J. Dillon, and I have to assume that you drafting Dillon, you just mentioned about midseason. So if you make that pick, I would say that's probably a selection that you got to be a little more sticky with. It's not round 14. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm just outlining yeah. to others that yes. So there's if you take a handcuff, but maybe one of your favorite handcuffs, you need to have a little more allegiance to that pick to let it play out and say, do they win the job? Is there an injury? Uh, poor play? Something going on where I, I mean, if you ended up dropping them a week or two before that and you go, now someone's going to bid almost their whole waiver budget on them, that's the thing that you have to, like, don't make the pick if you're not going to have some patience level. Whereas I would say with a wide receiver, your wide receiver five or six or something, you may not be that sticky with the spot and you go, let me draft, you mentioned Jalen Rager or Brandon Ayuk or maybe Sammy Watkins or insert guy here that if you don't see it after a game or two in terms of the involvement in the offense you may very well need to drop them and, and move on and I think wide receiver versus running back that that is one difference yes I agree with that I would be very 
uh, easy to drop a wide receiver and pick up whoever else I needed to as compared to the running back. And here I am coming up on my 13, 13th round pick, uh, 11, uh, 13, 11. And just to give you an example of who's still on the board, Randall Cobb is still on the board, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Pittman, uh, Nikhil Harry, Alshon Jeffrey. As far as running backs, Anthony McFarland, Darrington Evans. I mean, those are pretty thin, but my boy Eric Ebron is there. Cam Newton's still there. Ryan Tannehill. So it's working Jared out perfectly. Goff, Baker Mayfield. It's, it's working perfectly yeah. for Katie's late late round uh, tight end quarterback. Yeah, I mean those are those are all very easy guys to get and stash. I'm going to go ahead and take Ebron here. Oh shit! It just oh I did get him in just in time. Ooh, Sorry. Katie's talking. Uh, Katie's doing the narrative, and she almost missed Ebron. Yep, I got him. So okay. Um, now I've got to decide who's going to be my last spot. It doesn't matter. This is a re- this is a mock mock. Well, but anyway. So let me so let me ask you this. We've we've talked about some of the general players, some of the general um, roadmap here. How would this differ? Let's say we go to Superflex redraft. Um, how does your approach differ, or do you still say, you know what, I'm probably not getting one in the top 15 quarterbacks or so. I'm still going to be patient, uh, but it just means obviously that you would be taking those picks in a higher round. It depends on the scoring settings. If it's four points for a touchdown, then yeah, I don't care. I, I'll wait. I'll be patient. It also depends on your draft position. But um, like Patrick Mahomes in his rookie season, I was able to get him in like round 13 because nobody ever even knew who he was. I try to look for those guys like a Teddy Bridgewater, somebody you haven't seen in a while. And uh, Okay. I just exited the draft because it's too distracting, and there's <laughs> it's only going three. Fast there's the only end. three players left. Yeah, exactly. It's all auto. But picks Katie, now how anyways. about your your but, week one kicker matchup? You didn't. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but no, I do. I mean, with the kicker, I do. I do. I want a kicker if I can of whoever's left of a team that doesn't necessarily get they get in the red zone but they don't necessarily good get enough in the but end not zone. too good is always what i say exactly. and, and you exactly. know what a dome yeah. a dome is a good thing too um i've yep. always gravitated towards like matt prater with the lions in recent years where big leg the offense has a good quarterback but yet you know they have they have plenty of don't finish drives in them uh to be able to kick 40 50 yep. orders but yeah like you want a functional offense but yet not too good where it's just touchdown touchdown all of a sudden you look up it's like one field goal four extra points and that's a, a pretty pitiful day for you so yeah. um yeah so that's a good point what about defenses but i will stream i'll stream defenses and kickers defense i look for week one yep. what's their matchup and it's it's projection because you're because you don't know you we don't know after and in a few weeks we'll have a good sense but yeah week one you look yeah. for that matchup uh right out Just of the gate the, Weak quarterback maybe yep. uncertain quarterback that could could lay exactly. an egg yep. and, and be horrific and maybe looking over his shoulder with uh on the hot seat already um yeah so that's yep. a good one but i'm usually one of the last ones to get a defense i'm usually one of the last ones to get a kicker so i just try to judge the best of the rest as far as uh sleeper defense somebody that has a good week one matchup that is way down in the adp is the titans and they were really coming on strong towards the end of last year if they can pick up where they left off they're they're a good defense to start off with and then stream from there once you get a lay of the land and you can figure out you know who's who and doing what but there's no need to pay right 
you know, top dollar for a defense and redraft. What about uh, if you go best ball? And typically best ball, you're going to add some roster spots. So if you're playing redraft best ball, how do the the half hour of, of, of KD Nuggets that you have put out, how would you tweak that a little bit based on a, a best ball format? I want home runs. I want guys like Henry Ruggs. I want guys like Will Fuller. So you would shift. I want guys... Yeah, so some, yeah, so more rookies, more upside that, plays that could yeah, hit upside, for big games. Right, because all they got to do is, is you know, hit here and there, and they're going to help your team. And uh, consistency doesn't matter. At that point, you don't have to figure out, well, who do I start? I'm pulling my hair out. Do I start this guy or this guy? It's best Is ball. that more so after the first few runs. rounds, or is it throughout the draft? Even in round one, round two. No, I mean, round one, round two, you want home runs of the best players available. Like, if I've got the opportunity to get Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey. If I've got a guy that's injury prone, I don't care if he's if he's the guy like Dalvin for Cook. Six games, I'd feel more comfortable yeah. taking right. I'd I'd feel more comfortable with him and his contract situation. He says he's not going to hold out. He's <laughs> been there so far, but. You never know. He's also potentially "quote unquote" injury prone. Leonard Fournette, you know, guys that are less stable but are highly talented. I'm going to be fine with at any round if they're the best player available. I don't care at that point. Okay. And and the other thing I thought of was the deeper league. So let's say you're actually. I mean, I would say deep for redraft feels like if you go beyond about 18 spots or so. You know, you get to 20 yeah. spots, especially beyond that. With those, what format does that? <laughs> with those, I guess it's all. I guess it's league. Yeah, sure. So if you have if you have a few extra spots, are you going to gravitate towards those home run, say, wide receiver shots? Would you take maybe an extra quarterback or tight end, or would you say, give me the injury away running backs that would be massive waiver pickups if they were to get that injury or starting job in some form or fashion? I mean, so you're round eighteen and you're not thinking kicker defense, Katie. I mean, are you more likely to go uh, running back or a different position? It depends on how well I've done at each position. It depends on my draft spot. So if I'm lighter at running back, I'm certainly going to pad that towards the end. And if I if I've got two or three very reliable wide receivers, then I'll go thinner at that position overall. If I ended up with a mosh pit, then I'll maybe take a couple more flyers just to make sure that I'm covered. It it really is. I, I'm not just a blinders on. That's all you got to focus. You, you've got to be a little flexible based on how the draft unfolds for you. And uh, I, since I'm going to finish on a positive note here, Katie, I have to ask one negative question, which is the in-person draft, the in-person auction, that's not going to be commonplace this year. So unfortunately for folks right. that get together, um, you know, whether it's locally, whether you travel, it's a big deal. Those aren't going to be happening. Do you have any big memories of in-person drafting to some degree? Or do you have things that, that just you'll miss out on uh, or folks will miss out that, that you kind of reminisce about with, with, with previous in-person drafts? Well, uh, Kevin on Twitter well, he, he knows I'm, I'm fun at drafts. I like to sing. Like if I pick Todd Gurley, then I'll start singing a song about Todd Gurley. I'll make shit up and I will make, you know, if somebody says something, I'll, I'll about their player, I'll, 
have some kind of pun ready or some kind of so I make the draft fun and if there's a big board and you take the stickers off and you put the sticker on the board I'll even slam my hand against the the sticker to like stick it on my spot and say that's the guy right there yeah you know just (laughs) I like to be big and and fun and and just liven it up so that I'm gonna miss that's that's fun to me is having a draft um you know needling picks a little bit but not going too overboard if somebody you know takes a quarterback like I've seen some really bad picks and sometimes it's hard to hold your tongue you'd be like oh my goodness but uh you know a little bit of needling here and there but not going too overboard. Yeah, I'm a huge talker. And and sometimes and, and it yeah, honestly sometimes, wasn't the same. So we did thing. we did an expert I, one and it was a Zoom call and honest it was an auction and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, but it just it's not the same as being in the room. It just is not, not unfortunately. And hopefully yeah. 2021 uh, we can get back to that in a in a larger degree. Finally, Katie, I wanted to ask you uh, for um, redrafts coming up, what are uh, for this year specifically uh, maybe what are some positives from uh, this year and the fact that, you know, it might be Zoom, it might be um, online and everyone's on a phone or, or something like that. Um, what are some positives you can think of um, or any final thoughts for folks as, as they go into two weeks of quote official redraft drafting season? Yeah, so we're going to do our home league redraft on Saturday via Zoom and get on probably 30 minutes early and chit-chat. I mean, we're going to miss the drinking and the camaraderie. I mean, we usually go all out. Everybody brings a dish and we have a nice good meal and drinking and and then we get into the draft and people, there's no timer. You take your time. This year, we're going to be on ESPN Live, which is a minute and a half. And if you're not ready... You're going to get auto-picked, and that will stink. But it'll be fun to be able to see people's reaction on Zoom. I do a lot of Zoom work for, for work, and I'm very familiar with the platform. There's You can still group chat, even if you don't talk-talk. You can still send messages to the whole group, and I think it'll be fun. It'll still be fun. It, it, it is what you make of it. So just do what you can to have fun and and. At least there's football. I, yeah, exactly. I do love. I will say this. I do love the in-person draft with no timer, because um, even if uh, if you're gonna have it, hey, you all have your computers or whatever. We're gonna actually not have a board and run it through, you know, a, a site that's online. Doing it with no clock or having someone put the picks in or something. I actually like the casual. Hey, we're not in a huge rush. You know, let's make an evening out of it, a day of it, whatever um, the time frame is, because hey. Part of it is, you know, needling Joe that he's been on the clock for five minutes. Where is he? He's in the toilet. Like, it's just, you know, I mean, stuff yeah. like that makes it human. And I think, you know, when you do the 90-second clock, it makes it like, you know, Katie's on on there. And, yeah, you could be on a Zoom call. But, it like, it makes it a little more like, yeah, I'm just mock drafting with a bunch of people from all over the country. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's not – it's better, but it's not – it's too close to that, in my opinion. When you, it's like you're in the same room and you got a clock going. Part of the nuance is, you know, some people run up right away, and some people, you know, people trash talk. You see the person with all their draft sheets and their magazine, and they're trying to figure out in the ninth round who they're going to pick. And that's kind of the fun part of seeing that, uh, you know, when you've been you've been thinking about your pick two rounds ago of who you'll make right here, um, you know, and that's just the difference you have person to person. Well, again, Katie for redraft as uh, in addition to Dynasty, you can find her 
on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Do want to remind folks you want to support this show, no advertising, to patreon.com slash UTH. A lot of recent content on there. We do a feature show with Tim Torch every single week that uh, the patrons vote upon the topic. We'll be doing waiver wire in-depth every single week of the regular season. And tomorrow night on Wednesday, uh, the VIP tier, which is uh, all pro and above, uh, you get access, and that's going to be frequent i'll say in season it's been a couple times in august tomorrow night on wednesday we have a live strategy call Um, so this is not redraft Uh, this is for dynasty but we're talking about a lot of concepts that apply to both i'm sure since now we're in uh, regular season mode but a number of things and katie you've mentioned i don't know if we have a date yet but we are almost time for what the 17th annual katie flower hosted uh uth jeopardy coming up right um so we don't have a date, but I'm sure you already have questions and you are you have already been testing them uh, to 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 folks and you've been refining that because that's one of your uh, your annual babies there uh, putting that together and we certainly appreciate it. So look for that. Uh, that'll be a bonus episode coming out to uh, to all UTH listeners on your podcasting platforms post haste uh, once we record that. So it should be a lot of fun. And I think I have a spotty track record. Uh, <laughs> every year I either do really well or or sneaky decent is what I would say. Um, but no matter what, uh, good times will be had there uh, with Katie hosting. So until next week, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.